The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen. Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Fa, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson, Lord John of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel, Lady Adrian of House Dillard, Lady Ashley of House Gardner, Lady Lismalin of House Morales. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Sir Ryan of House Turbush, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current Master of Coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Squire to Sir Matt, Lady Betsy of House Hudson. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we're into Sansa 4 of A Clash of Kings. And in our Raven, we will be talking about Tyric Lannister. Yes, Ez. Um, there's been a little bit of news, right, going on. Uh, HBO's pushing out a bunch of stuff to let everybody know, hey, it's the 10-year anniversary yeah. Of the show, okay? A lot of people are getting ready for their marathons, uh, as uh. they're calling it. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, 10 years ago, as did we think that this would be this huge of a show and do all of these things? And No, you know, the, yeah, it was, it's crazy. I was bootlegging it, you know, with my buddies, and we were all trying to, like, illegally download it and stuff because we were just coming out of college. Like, crazy stuff, man. I mean, uh no, it's wild, and and I I remember loving it and and diving into that first book before it came out, and and then season one comes out. I think it's epic, and then later on pick up with it. And you and I started kind of speculating, talking, theorizing, and can't believe it, man. I really can't. Crazy. It's actually it's it's life changing. Okay, there you go. <clears throat> and you, what what is what is a favorite moment? What are some favorite moments from you from the show? Oh gosh, favorite moments from the show. On the spot, huh? Any particular any particular scenes that you're just like, wow, that was really Uh I mean, people know this already, but I, I always love um Beric Dondarrion and when he's when he's fighting the hound. You know, like I always thought that was a sick, sick, sick moment. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um Golly, all all of season one is great. I love I just love, you know, Ned. Ned Stark. Yeah. I just thought, you know, he's fantastic. Other real big moments, I mean all, all the obvious ones with you know the 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 big the big moments i mean the, you know the the red wedding you know hodor all all that good stuff i'm trying to think of ones that are maybe there's some that stand out in my mind that like there's some scenes with little finger where he's just walking through a brothel and i'm going what is going on, up going in here? on. Like, it's, it's crazy uh and i think that that was the thing is like you have to you're paying attention to little finger and <clears throat> every word he's saying while some crazy sex scene is happening in the back. And it's just like, that's what game of Thrones did to you. And you're like, wow, this is, this is wild. So. Yeah. Um, for me, let me, uh, I would say again, the obvious ones. I still think my favorite is, uh, Aria. The, ha I mean, well, I guess sort of funny moment. Cause it's, it's actually kind of odd that game of Thrones has like sort of funny moments. Cause it's not really that type of a show. It's every, it's so serious. That the that the funny moments really stand out. So, 
Arya and the Hound, I just love. I love when they're run, when they're running around together. The scene at the in at the crossroads, the the conversation about chicken, right? And you're just like, this is about to get real serious real fast. And the yeah. Hound is like, and then he just kills all those people. That is great. Jon Snow, King in the North. I think that's probably the oh, most yeah. epic, epic yeah. moment, probably in the whole in the whole show. Um, Tyrion's speech, his his trial is just. I mean, I think I'm pretty. He won awards almost every season, but I mean, I I would have to imagine that that season he won an award. Yeah. It didn't go down the way we had hoped, the way the way you hope, but um the vipers fight with the mountain is just done Sick. so well Sick. on screen it's so cool such a cool scene um man yeah. even the opening i think the opening the very beginning right the prologue with um oh Omar yeah royce and those guys oh, yeah. uh the white walkers and then you get to the following scene where ned and it's episode the episode one although it obviously looks different because most pilot tv shows look different like Tyrion's hair is really yellow and uh the costuming is different and, th and things like that but i i do think that it, it it did a really good job of setting the stage of this grand moment of the king coming uh north yeah and the hand of the king is dead and everything like that john's fight with the white walker at hard home is probably his sort of cool fight scene mm -hmm. um so that's uh, th that's good. I'm trying to think. Daenerys, D Daenerys's best scene is easily uh, when she gets the do the unsullied army, right? And she oh, yeah. basically basically does her mic drop and like right. walks away. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's obviously epic for her. Yeah, I I, I was just thinking, um, just because I haven't seen the show in a, in a long time, besides you know, season eight's the most recent thing I've seen, and Theon at the end there man i'm in tears yeah. like jenny's song and stuff like that it, that is some good stuff there are some good things that came out of that last season where you're like all right wow that that was uh these cool, episodes but. one through three i still think are great i think i think are great yeah. um just some other just some other kind of fun things i think it starts it starts around season seven right torment and brianne like you know when he's, yeah. when he's always like staring at it like that is it's just hilarious and right uh, Torment, yeah, Torment, Torment is is definitely great. So there's definitely a lot of really, really good moments um, in the show. Even even some of the smaller things that get sprinkled at sprinkled throughout. Um, John and Agret, I think, has done really mm -hmm. well on on, yeah, on it screen. Is. It's heartbreaking, obviously, when she right uh, when when she when she dies. So yeah, great, great, yeah. great show. So guys, let us. What are some of your favorite memories specifically from the show? Just the way you saw it on screen and what you thought was really, really epic. Um, since it is the 10th anniversary of the show. Yeah. Well, when's season nine coming out? That's coming out soon, right? <laughs> who, who knows, man? <laughs> who knows? Oh, God. Nah, that's cool. Awesome. Crazy to think about. All right. Well, um, friends, we will be coming back. We have a Raven this week. Um, we're going to be coming back with the Maester Study probably next week, maybe. We'll, we'll dive back into some House of the Dragon and, and things like that. We're trying to look into how we want to reformat that and you know think about the uh the prequels a bit more uh mm -hmm. i need to start reading it again i need to actually go back and you know not just the fire and wiki blood. page but yeah go back and really start listening uh and and reading you know the outline there so mm -hmm. we learned and we did stuff. do yeah and our patreon thing last night yeah we did we did two patreon things um i recorded one that's already released uh just sort of uh something about jenny's song uh so there is that and then we recorded sort of an impromptu we were just kind of talking with a few bannermen we were just doing a, a zoo, sort of a zoom sort of hangout um and uh we're just like well hey you guys want to talk about a few things so we just hit record and recorded uh sort of sort of something i've been, I've been working on um where's king aegon targaryen's crown well it gets lost in dorne that's kind of the last of it but what does Pretty that mean sick. so yeah so yeah so it's just kind of an impromptu conversation about that but we do have that uh coming as well on patreon and our next bannerman zoom hangout as yeah are we saying friday the 23rd yeah uh friday the 23rd yeah i think so yeah is that what we have in the dock i'm pretty sure i, I think so like... yeah so so, so yeah this, it, yeah so not this so not this weekend this coming this coming friday but next friday yep 23rd perfect yep. okay 
All right, guys. Well, uh, with that, let's dive into the reread. Actually, sort of a shorter chapter um, this week. This is a Sansa chapter with uh, Sertantus, the Hound, and Tyrion. Sansa meets again with Sertantus in the Godswood and learns that he hears more things as a fool than he ever did a knight. And Varys the Spider pays in gold for anything overheard, making Dantas believe that Moon Boy has been working for Varys for years. Dantas tells her that Stannis burned the godswood at Storm's End at behest of the Red Woman. When Sansa asks him to make good on his promise, Dantas tells her the time is not right for her, their escape. Dantas uh, does promise her that when his friend returns to King's Landing, they will have a ship to escape on. Sansa does not want to return to her room yet, so she goes up to the roof where she is surprised by the Hound. Clegane is in a foul mood as ever and tells her that he enjoys killing and that the only coward uh, only cowards fight with fire he claims he fears no man but sansa thinks that he does fear his brother once again he assures her that there are no true knights that night sansa has a dream when she is surrounded by a mob and calls out to the great knights but none respond to her call she feels herself bleeding and awakes to find the sheets soaked with blood she realizes that she has just had her first flowering and burns the sheets in fear that joffrey will want to uh, when Joffrey will find out and want to bed her. Her maids catch her before uh, and bring her before the queen, but Cersei confronts her, knowing the girl is frightened at the prospect of marrying Joffrey. She tells her how, how difficult Joffrey was to bear and how Robert was out hunting when Joffrey was born. Cersei informs her that while Sansa may not love Joffrey, she will, have, she will love the children she bears him. The queen also reveals that Robert always wanted to be loved, to have friends, and to be cheered, and her brother Tyrion has the same disease. She tells Sansa love is poison, a sweet poison, yes, but it will kill you all the same. Well, um, yeah, it's funny to hear, to hear Joffrey there. I'm like, where I'm at reading ahead right now, I'm just like, wait, we're so far beyond that. <laughs> it's just kind of like funny thinking back. Yep, we still have to put up with that guy for a while. Uh, right. And, and we don't want him to know what's going on. So, yeah. 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 One of the interesting dynamics with this chapter, I would say, is the you get you get this. You get this sort of difference right i suppose between dantis who is this fool and he's an idiot um and would absolutely get slaughtered in any fight he would ever be in and he is you know it's almost like in her head sansa is kind of portraying him they're, they're sort of building it up right my like they're calling each other those sort of pet names and mm -hmm. and and that and then she runs into the hound who's kind of mean to her and whatever but it's ultimately going to be the hound that is the knight she needs uh yeah. when king's landing does get sacked here here shortly um and so i just think i've always found that kind of interesting uh the the difference between the between the two uh yeah and it's almost like there's um that's a really good point that she the knight she has is not the knight she needs um that knight is right now in in service to the lannisters and there'll come a time where here shortly he will be someone who could take her away. And she does seem to almost be subconsciously somewhat attracted to him. It, it's, it's almost like her attraction shifts from uh, fancy armor and good looking knights to just someone who can do what needs to be done. You know what I mean? It's like uh, almost like a more practical kind of an like attraction, if you will, like. Because the hound can do it. I mean, if, if she needs to, he's someone who who will kill people, who can rescue her, who can take care of her, and things like that. Um, Dantos is just a fool. <laughs> he's just like yeah. uh, he's talking to Moon Boy. He has yeah yeah he has a t he has tin armor and carries a melon as a morning star. Right. I mean he you know when he's when he when he's when he's at that he's at that tourney. Yeah. So. Um, and then obviously we know what sort of how, what sort of his end becomes. And the guy who plays him in the show, I think, did, does like a great job of, of sort of showing this guy um, off. And do you do you think it's interesting that Littlefinger uses this guy and that he, Littlefinger? Uh, he seems like somebody that Littlefinger or Varys, right? We know they use all kinds of people, but this seems yeah. like somebody that's like. Is this? Do you really think that this guy is capable of doing what you want to do? You're giving this guy a lot of secrets. I mean, if he messes up, how? I just find that I find that odd. 
Well, the only thing I could think is that maybe Littlefinger was was rushed on his way, you know, because he's, um, I don't know, maybe he was he was rushed in this decision a little bit and and decides to go with him, because yeah, I mean, it is a lot to kind of put on on this guy who uh, he's also someone though you could if he spills any secrets that are maybe that are that might tie him to Littlefinger. I mean, he's a drunk, he's a fool. He's already kind of pretty pretty low down there, so you can dismiss it and just say, ah, he's he's a drunken idiot. Like, pay him no mind type of thing. So, still kind of risky, but and I think he wants to prove himself, and he wants to have some type of status and, and honor or whatever. And so, Littlefinger's great at manipulating and, and giving you just what you need or what you want, or knowing what you need or what you want, um, and then trying to supply that and then getting you to do something for him. Because he does talk about Varys, and he talks about Moon Boy being in his employ, and they don't even know, you know, what uh, they, they. It's as if they're not even in the room. They allow the fools to hear things that they shouldn't hear. Very smart for Varys and Littlefinger to have one of those guys each in there. And I think maybe if 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 Moon Boy is under the employ of Varys, it was important for Littlefinger to say, "I need my own guy in there," because Varys has got an edge on me in that room. So. Yeah. yeah, I guess I guess it comes down to is it smart or stu- or sort of stupid that they use that they that they that they use these people because on one hand it's like it's all the political intrigue right the, and the and the the chess battle that goes back and forth because it's it's somebody that Cersei is going to obviously detest mm-hmm. uh, and so do you think Cersei knows I mean she seems so polit- so so smart in it that she would she would have to think that ev- literally anybody and everybody could be a spy could be well, using information no matter yeah, how, it, how idiotic they come across. Right. And it's almost like though, there's so many different ways to look that you're looking at people who are more sophisticated and intelligent and, and maybe you're overlooking, you know, I don't know, a fool or a servant or someone who's it. There's so, too many places to look. You almost like Varys and Littlefinger have you triple thinking, you know, double taking left and right thinking about who right. who who's who's in who's employed. I mean Tyrion already does it. He's already jumping through mental hoops trying to think about, yeah, what is what's happening uh with uh like like who are Cersei's people? Varys, can I trust him? Littlefinger, keep an eye on him. Don't want to send him away to rescue everyone, you know, and and meet with the Tyrells, but he has to. So yeah, it's uh it's quite it's quite interesting. It is really cool though that there's little tiny hints here as to who he's working for. You know what I mean? Because like when you read this again and during a reread, you're like, okay, wow, that's interesting that we like like Serdantos and and because before I don't know my first read through, I was just like, is this guy really gonna think about your first time reading it? Like this guy's gonna do what? Like Sansa, come on, he's a he's he's a drunk. He's I the whole time I'm thinking he's just after her, like as in he right. wanted her. You know what I mean? And uh, was almost like preying on her in a sense. So I didn't like that. I was a little bit like nervous for Sansa. And really, um, you know, it's I mean, Littlefinger sees the connection. She she helps spare his life and uses that against him and keeps him close to Sansa when he can't be there. So yeah, wild. And then little finger, and then little finger takes him out. Yeah, I I wonder I wonder what the plan was. Uh, I, I I wonder what the plan the the plan was as, as when you were when you were gonna get her out. Did did because it all happens obviously as at the purple wedding when Joffrey's killed when he's supposed to be married to Marjorie, right? And we know um Elena Tyrell right she uses the hairpin and uses that mm-hmm. that poison and then that under all of that is when Littlefinger gets gets her out but correct me if I'm wrong and I'm sure somebody's like oh here we go again Sir Matt doesn't even read the books we I don't think there's any sort of communication between Littlefinger and Elena Tyrell is there as to that we know of that they they that he knew Joffrey was going to be killed at that wedding because that's when he smuggles her smuggles her out Huh. Um, like open direct communication. Let me think here. I don't. I don't know. I'll look. Real quick. Or even anything. Or even anything that knows that. I mean, is it just the right? Is it just the right time to do it? So you're saying, like you're so saying this, this, little, this whole finger. deal, this whole deal, yeah, with Dantis. Ultimately, they do get her out, right? They get they get Sansa out. Um, but it comes, it comes when, 
at the purple wedding because Joffrey's mm-hmm. killed. Um, right. Uh, the, though Peter had, or Peter Baelish had left King's Landing. He does not immediately go to the Vale and, as I said, remains near the city until the wedding between Joffrey and Marjorie, in which King Joffrey is killed. In the ensuing chaos, Sansa is spirited out by Dauntus and Oswell Kettleblack. They rows him to the ship Blackwater Bay, where Peter awaits. When Sir uh, Lorther Brune's crossbow kills Dauntus, uh, Peter explains um, to Sansa that she will be wanted in connection with Joffrey's death and is... Um, it is the only sure way he'll know that he will remain silent, right? Because he kills Dantas. He then goes on to explain his role in Joffrey's murdering. I guess he did. I, well, I'm totally wrong. Having plotted it with Elena Tyrell, he re- mm-hmm. he reveals the involvement. So yeah, he tells her the whole thing. I guess I was I guess I was forgetting that that he was he was involved. Yeah. So what happens? So like like remember they they want to marry um, Sansa to one of their own, and then. Tywin kind of um, the, the Lannisters foil that plan for Sansa to go to Tyrion. And mm. so it's then it, then it's now, OK, we're going to get the, like so there, there, there's quickly. So Lena sabotages Tywin's plan to marry his widowed daughter, um, Cersei, to, to, to Willis. Right. Uh, yeah. Even though uh, Mace is thinking about it. Uh, yes, d- that, d- yes, that's, that's correct. See, so this is what happens. Sometimes I get the show. See, sometimes I get the show melded in my brain, and I, I just think of Olena telling Jamie it was me. You know, I, I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was the one that did it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's there's a, yeah, Littlefinger is, and again, it's all like political favors and, and maneuvering so, because then he's yeah. So I guess okay, okay. So I guess I guess a better I guess a better question is. Um, to go along with this, it, what is his plan for the Battle of Blackwater? Does Bayless just think that Stannis is going to lose? Does he also know? Does he also know about the wildfire? Tyrion's plan at the wildfire and think they're going to win because Sansa almost gets killed. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah, they're all they're all in a pickle there. And <clears throat> excuse me, actually, right, he's sent to go get the Tyrells, um, right, to, to negotiate with them. So that's Tyrion sends him out and. He has to negotiate. So, yeah, there's nothing he 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 can do right, like right now. I mean, like it's not easy just to to kind of spirit her away. He's the whole thing is he's getting that lordship. Or this is the thing that gets him a lordship that would get him away from King's Landing. So once that's in motion, now he can bring Sansa with him. Otherwise, he's still in King's Landing. Might as well keep keep around and keep an eye on her and keep her close or whatever. But once he goes and makes this this alliance he asked for one of the things he gets he's he wants to be well rewarded and so yeah Tyrion's like absolutely whatever you want um Heron Hall it's all yours and he gets the Tyrells and that's his kind of you know hero <laughs> hero moment for King's Landing right yeah yeah so okay all right well let's move on let's move over to I guess the hound here so Sansa has this conversation with the hound right where she's on she doesn't want to go to a room she's on the roof um you know, and she's talking to him. She kind of tells him that because uh, they're they're seeing the smoke, right? Because Stannis is burning the as Stannis is a, as a, is approaching, he's burning a lot of the the godswood to try and smoke Tyrion's men out because mm-hmm. that's where they're all camped. Um, it does set the stage here that uh, Stannis is things are if you're reading this for the first time that uh, things don't seem good. Stannis is really knows what he's doing. Well, yeah, and he's exactly he's he's totally given in to his his red uh, sorceress and burning burning of God God's woods. You know, it doesn't really matter anymore to him. It's just like let them all uh, burn, give them all to the flames. But yes, it doesn't look good. It does look like uh, we're in major trouble in King's Landing, and that he's he's ready to. He didn't have to stop. The one thing they were hoping was that at Storm's End that. Courtney Penrose and others would be able to kind of like hold that and that he couldn't move against King's Landing without also already having his home kind of keep. Well, he gets that in like one night and that is not what Tyrion or others expected. And then that's all because of Melisandre. Boom. Now he's now he's heading over to King's Landing. And yeah, it looks like he's, um, you know, he's looks like he's going to win. Every, everything would would make you think that he's going to to win this thing. So yeah. to the point where we we know later Cersei is like ready to you know kill herself, yeah. Which should which should uh, point to a lot of things that we continuously say about Stannis in upcoming Winds of Winter chapters. That here's another moment of Stannis looking like a really 
great battle commander and getting ready for his this battle where he's going to take King's Landing. I mean, obviously it doesn't go his way, but I think it's hard. I think it's hard to to use that against Stannis. I mean, how often is how often has wildfire bombs been sent off set off? You know, in the history of of tactics, and it's not like it's something easy to sort of produce. So it's I don't yeah. think. I don't. I don't think. You, I don't think you could have predicted that at all. You what you mean from Stannis's? Yeah, perspective. From Stannis's yeah, oh, perspective. yeah. No, 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 no. No, it's a genius. I mean, like you know, Tyrion later on, Tywin will totally give him like, yeah, that that was the chain was very important. Cersei's already kind of taken some credit, right, for the getting the pyromancers all fired up and, and making everything. But then how to keep them in the harbor? How to keep them close to use the wildfire? Yeah, it's it does. Um, it's not something that has been employed before not something you're you're used to seeing used uh so stannis can't really you know anticipate that but why didn't melisandre see it in her flames that's a good question were they green flames and so she couldn't you know who does see it patch face patch face he does see it oh they should the whole time and he's right there he is saying it right around (laughs) stannis my gosh crazy yeah okay um so after this after they kind of have their thing and what she talks about you know you not being a true knight although he's actually probably the truest knight that she'll come across right um right he tells her that everyone around her is liars which includes dauntus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um then we have then we come to the the scene i think which the show does uh does pretty good uh as well showing where she has her flower hood right um yeah. And then she's, you know, just she's freaking out. Obviously, she's trying to rip the sheets off. She's trying to she realizes that people may come. So she's then she's got a knife out and she's trying to just cut cut out the the spot on the bed. And then she realizes that's not enough. It's soaked through. So she tries to throw the mattress in the fire. There's mm-hmm. smoke coming out. The the, the handmaidens um, see it all. And then we go from there. Now I will say in the show, this is done slightly differently, right? Because mm-hmm. um, it happened. I think that this, I think in the show, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of this happens afterwards. I think after she's married to Tyrion, because yeah, Shay, Shay's in there, right, or something. Like Shay that. is Shay is in there, remember? And then Shay catches the handmaiden who sees as they as she's running to Cersei. So it's way different timeline, um, mm-hmm. because I think in the show it's like she doesn't want to, you know, the whole deal is she won't have to marry Tyrion until she's flowered, and then that all all goes that way. Yeah, so. or, or he's yeah he's moved his Shay plans up, or yeah something something like that. It's a little out of no. I think it's a, but... yeah, it is, it is. But Shay, you're at yeah. Shay is there because Shay yeah. is is yeah. is Sansa is is there. Um, Shay is not there here, but right. Give her give her a slightly bigger role, uh, in the in the show. So then she 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 goes to Cersei, and Cersei sort of tells him how it's been for her, which is some good insight to Cersei's character, where yeah. You know, yeah, right. things every Robert was off hunting when she was having kids. Now, was it Robert's kids? No, but still, uh, I mean, right. It just I, I think it, it goes to sh- it just causes you again to think of how things could have been different, how things could have been different for Cersei. Um, you know, she's always talking about how it's always her and Jamie always. But I don't know. I think if Robert had been a better guy, I think she could have. I think she could have changed her her mind. Uh, yeah, for sure. And then just the obsession with Liana and all that kind of stuff. And then she not she didn't get Rhaegar. A lot of things didn't. They they both weren't um getting what they wanted ultimately, and then it ended up not working out well. But yeah, she her sharing that does I think make us like Cersei a little bit more, right? Or or feel for her or connect with her and think, wow, you know, all right. Um, she gets it. She's just being a realist, and she's this mother queen regent who's trying to keep everything together and honestly sansa just by her nature and she's you know all, all the things like is she's good she would be good for joffrey uh besides the traitor's blood <laughs> but right. but besides that it would it would have been it would have been a good thing um so yeah uh yeah she, she's definitely trying to prep her for no this is just the way it is this is life 
you know, kind of yeah. kind of get used to it. And it's a big growth moment for Sansa. And then for Cersei, it's one of those, you know, good insights into she's had it very, uh, very kind of rough, you know, and, and with with Robert and then just, all you know, turned to Jamie. So what if Jamie wouldn't have been there? You ever think about that? Like, what if Jamie Lannister would not have uh, become one of the King's Guard and would have still been off at uh cash what would have happened you know yeah like like would she have been closer with robert or would she have actually probably you know what i mean is is his proximity make it to where it's it's just easier to go to him or something absolutely yeah Yeah. absolutely if he had been if he had been just sort of in in casterly rock absolutely because they would just wouldn't they just wouldn't have seen each other so all right well uh let's reread for this week kind of a shorter chapter um honestly but things will pick up next week as we go back to john and Agret and things let's just say things are going to heat up okay we'll just we'll just say mm-hmm. that but um mm-hmm. all right as uh do we have a raven for today uh yes we have a raven and this is this kind of fits in with some of the talk um about the lannisters and um maybe even even sansa is, is somewhat kind of connected to this as well uh in king's in king's landing so uh, let's see. Who is this from here? Let me scroll down. So we have it from Lady Emma. Lady Emma. All right. Let me see. It's quite a long one. Um, Tyrick Lannister. Here we go. Hello, good sirs. Longtime listener. First time theorist. Love the podcast. Especially love it when you guys discuss wild theories and get lost in deep, dark rabbit holes. I didn't know they were so deep and dark. I just knew they were rabbit holes, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So I thought I would share some thoughts I've been having about the series lately to see if you want to dive into this one with me. Sorry in advance for the long email. Uh, I've been thinking about Tyric Lannister ever since you guys covered the chapter in A Clash of Kings about the riot in King's Landing and have come to the conclusion that Tyric, who goes missing during the riot, is 100% alive and will be important later. For a bit of background, Tyrek is the son of Tigret, uh, or Tyget, uh, mm-hmm. Lannister. So this makes him Cersei uh, and Jaime and Tyrion's first cousin. He is the Lannister who, you may remember, gets the nickname uh, Wet Nurse as he has been married off to the heir of House Hayford, who is still a baby at the time of the wedding. Uh, This union is, of course, organized so the Lannisters can claim House Hayford's lands. Tyrek also happened to be uh, a squire to the late Robert Baratheon alongside his cousin Lancel. So, why do I think he's alive? First of all, his body is never, ever found. Uh, This is extremely odd to me as everyone else who dies or is injured in the riots turns up. And in A Song of Ice and Fire... If someone dies off screen, I'm immediately skeptical. Even more suspiciously, Tyrek is mentioned several times after he goes missing, as if Gurr is making sure we don't forget about him. Immediately after the riot, after the riot Tyrion asks um, Bywater to make sure that Tyrek is found, quote, alive or dead, and it is made clear to the reader that finding him is extremely important to Tyrion. All right. In um, in A Storm of Swords, Tyrek is brought up twice more in two different Tyrion chapters with both uh, Jason Bywater and Varys saying that he is nowhere to be found despite 4,400 guards being tasked with finding him. Tyrek is mentioned again in A Feast for Crows, this time in a Jamie chapter. Um, Adam Marbrand mentions that he also searched for Tyrek, but found nothing more than Bywater did. We get a few more details this time. When Marbrand mentions that Tyrek's horse was found, but without a rider. He also says that the mob left all the corpses to lie in the street. So it's strange that Tyrek's was not among them. How likely is it that he is dead if he is the only person to vanish without a trace? To me, it seems like these little reminders are Gurm's way of encouraging the reader to think a little bit more about Tyrek's fate. So, 
what happened to him? My primary theory is that one of our resident schemers, uh, Varys or Littlefinger, snatched him up in the chaos and have him in hiding somewhere in order to use him to their advantage later. The question, the question is, which of them had the means, motive, and opportunity to do this? Let's look at Varys first. Uh, Varys is not part of the group that escorts Marcella to the docks before the riot, and I think his absence is notable. He is the master of whisperers after all, and he knows as much as he says he does. He probably knew the risk uh, of the hungry crowd rioting when the privileged, well-fed Lannisters passed by. Varys could also have organized the entire thing pretty easily and may... Uh, may well have been in the crowd to act as an instigator in one of his many disguises. But what would his motive be? Jamie touches on this at one point in A Feast for Crows, thinking back to how Tyrick was a squire for Robert and may well have information about Robert's murder. Information is valuable and Varys might have decided that Tyrick could be used as a witness against Cersei when the time is right. Uh, it also could be just as simple as having a Lannister hostage at your disposal if the Lannisters ever turn against him for any reason in the future. These same motives could apply to Littlefinger too, and he does seem to be involved in every scheme in Westeros, so to me, it is just as likely that, uh, that this is his doing. Littlefinger was not present in the city at the time the riot occurred, and he could easily have paid someone to instigate it. The riots also seem to benefit Littlefinger in a number of of additional ways. One, the High Septon is killed, leaving this position free, and Littlefinger always seems to have a plan to try and get one of his own men promoted to positions of power when they become available. Uh, I know it is accepted by those in King's Landing that Tyrion selected the new High Sparrow, but maybe uh, he just happened to get in front of Littlefinger this time. A Kettle Black does end up killing this replaced High Septon after all. Okay, yeah. Uh, speaking of, Osmond Kettleblack becomes a member of the, of the Kingsguard due to the death of Preston Greenfield. And we all know now that the Kettleblacks are loyal to Littlefinger. Convenient that a position would come up at this time, huh? Number three, uh, if it wasn't for the Hound, the Chaos could possibly have been an opportunity to remove Sansa from King's Landing, as we know Littlefinger wanted to do. These seem like pretty compelling reasons to me on their own. Uh, maybe these, along with kidnapping and hiding Tyrek for the same reasons Varys would want to, are the only reasons Littlefinger would have to get involved in organizing the riot. But I have gone a little further and uh, developed a theory that is a little more out there. Strap in. So here we go. Is it possible Littlefinger wants yes. to use... Yes, it is. <laughs> is it possible that Littlefinger wants to use Tyrek to control House Hayford's lands so the Lannisters cannot? Of course, Tyrek is a Lannister, so he probably wouldn't agree to this willingly, but Littlefinger could blackmail him uh, about exposing the truth and his possible involvement in Robert's murder to get him to comply. After all, uh, if that all comes out, the Lannisters' credibility would be destroyed and Tyrek punished accordingly, which I'm sure he would, he would be keen to avoid. Doing this would mean that Littlefinger would have control over influential lands close to King's Landing and hold the Vale and Harrenhal. He is also friendly with the Boltons, and the Tyrells due to the marriages and the alliances he set up for these houses, not to mention the schemes he planned with them. This is quite an impressive amount of power for someone who is not high-born. He has acquired so much influence and control since the beginning of A Game of Thrones. I really think he is always looking at ways to acquire more lands, so eventually all of Westeros will belong to him, or at least uh, ally with him. And the Iron Throne will fall to him without too much resistance. This leads me to the wilder aspect of this theory, that is to speculate what is going on at Rosby. 
Bear with me. I promise I have a point. Uh, something I noticed on my second read of A Dance with Dragons was how much the Rosby's ward is mentioned after Giles Rosby dies. It's strange as Picel repeatedly tries to talk about this mysterious ward when discussing who should take over at Rosby, but he is not listened to. The same ward is also mentioned to have turned away Lady uh, Falsey Stokeworth and her husband when they were on their way to King's Landing in a feast for uh, crows. Uh, yeah. There is a strange amount of attention to pay to this unnamed character, so Gur must have a plan for him. Who is this person and why would he turn the Stokeworths away? I think it's because they could possibly recognize him as being, you guessed it, Tyrick Lannister. Tyrick could very well be living there under a different name, possibly a bastard name, uh, as falsely describes the ward is ill-born and would be easily recognized as being a Lannister if the Stokeworths actually laid eyes on him. It seems like Rosby would be a convenient place to hide Tyrick as it is close to King's Landing and it seems like quite a small household, so easier to keep secrets within. This also begs the question, was, um, was Giles Rosby in league with Littlefinger? It could be the case, I suppose, as I think Littlefinger has alliances everywhere and I'm sure his scheming goes far beyond what we know so far. Rosby is an important chess piece as it provides a lot of the food to King's Landing, so it would make sense for Littlefinger to buddy up with the Rosbys, although I'm not sure what he would have offered them in return for their help other than cold hard cash. Um... Anyway, Pycelle says Rosby's ward has a claim to inherit Rosby. Tyrick Lannister is set to inherit House Hayford's lands through marriage. If Tyrick is Rosby's ward and Littlefinger is blackmailing and controlling Tyrick, this gives him even more control over these lands close to King's Landing. It also looks like Bronn may well inherit Stokeworth, and I have a theory that Bronn is in Littlefinger's pocket too. But... That's an email for another day. So there it is. Littlefinger has his finger in all of the pies. Hopefully we get some answers to this in the winds of winter uh, if we ever get it. Until then, I'll keep listening to Bend the Knee and coming up with tinfoil theories. I wish you good fortune in the wars to come, Lady Emma. Wow. Thank you, Lady Emma, for that well-crafted, well-put-together theory. Yeah, as Tyrick Lannister is a character who is shrouded in mystery right um i've been yeah. searching a song of ice and fire wiki and reddit to see just what people are saying about him um a lot of people think again a lot of people think yeah maybe he's just died off screen but as lady emma points out no a lot of these characters Gur doesn't like them to die off screen right right um so it is it is interesting right so tyrick's around the same age as sansa right um as we said he's a squire for robert baratheon alongside lancel mm -hmm. uh and then yeah he's now kind of missing right some people think he might be barris might have uh something to do with it mm -hmm. um well, I mean, what do you think as what do you what do you what do you think well i i think the uh it, it is very interesting that house rosby nearby we know there's a lot of stuff they do. I mean, a lot of the food and you, you can control, you can anger the crowd in King's Landing by cutting off the food supply and making them kind of rail against the um, the Red Keep and try to, whoever's in power there is is in trouble because they need those surrounding crown land, you know, keeps and, and fields and what have you to bring in food for all of these people in King's Landing. So, uh, and I said, like, I messed up, I think it's Giles Rosby. Uh, meant to say he is he's important he and he and um lit, lit lady stokeworth they're they're important to what happens around king's landing and so yeah it would it would make a lot of sense that you want control of that region you would make if you're little finger if you want to control some of that or you want to influence people against the crown you might want to control some of these chains of resources food supplies whatever coming into king's landing so connecting uh tyrick lannister to this because it's a missing person 
and I do think he's probably alive, and we don't know where he's at. Um, right. It, mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of uh, real quick, a lot, of, a lot of what's being brought up in the uh, forum of Ice and Fire and the Reddit community is everyone saying he's brought up far too often. To far too often. A, far too often. Gerd is, yeah. George does not usually do that unless he has a plan for them. Right, and so and this is why I like this. This connection is probably. I wonder. I'm. I'm reading this. Going. Has anyone else said this is actually pretty, pretty cool? Because. Well, well yeah. Well done. Yeah, very well done. Because um, I haven't heard it. I haven't made. I haven't seen anybody make. You know, the connection between Tyrick Lannister, and the Rosby Ward. Because, that's a easy place to go stash and store someone if 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 you want to. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I mean, they had Tommen on his way there as well. That was one of the places they were going to rush. Tom into for protection while Joffrey stayed in King's Landing, so it's not that far away, and it's it's something that they've done before with the Lannister. Stash, try to try to stash a Lannister there. So, pr- yeah, I mean, I think why not? And and then the other connection that was kind of cool is that Tyric is is married into or that you know betro- whatever to House Hayford, and because of their lands and because of how prosperous they are and things like that. So then there's another connection to you know food resources. Um, and and yeah, I think that I think that kind of makes sense. Now, I don't know uh, why would he be because we don't really know much about the ward and whether or not the wards actually like in, in in control of things or people are just keeping quiet on this. Like someone has a, a pretty firm grip over that keep and what's happening and when the information that's coming in and out of there. And if that is Littlefinger, then that's pretty that's pretty awesome. That's pretty wild, uh, and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. But, um, yeah, but then the other thing, the curveball, though, right, is Varys could have been in the crowd and could have orchestrated this this uh, kidnapping and such, right? I mean, could, could have been the one who's behind it. So then we know those two aren't really working which gives together. Him a, which gives him a chess piece against the Lannisters. Right, but would he be the one stashing him over as the Rosby Ward? I mean, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that... Um, and this is a lot of these are older. This is an older thread here, but us uh, from the wiki or the forum of Ice and Fire. A lot of people are saying, "Do you think it's possible he left on his own? Left King's Landing on his lo- on his own?" Uh, so maybe he's Tyrick. He just yeah, could be. Uh, and, could yeah, could be. Could be. Let me let me. Um, yeah, I don't know where where why or what where he would go or what the what would his what would his reasoning be unless he's he's worried that he is connected somehow to uh robert's death or something but let me read you guys real quick about the the ward of uh um giles rosby who is a young male ward living at rosby in the crown lands uh his name has not yet been mentioned and giles rosby has no immediate heir uh the ward of lord and a ward just means you've taken this person in and right mm-hmm. that you're that you're yep. caring for whatever you know. So the ward of Lord uh, Giles Rosby refuses Lady Falsey's Sto- uh, Falsey Stokeworth and her husband will not let them in when they're searching for shelter at Rosby on their way to King's Landing. Why? Why would you do that? Um, believes that the ward will try to claim Rosby when Giles passes away. Although she feels like Rosby uh, should instead pass to herself. Okay, so maybe that's one of the reasons, right? Don't want you to come in here and set up shop and. Yeah, Pycelle is informed Cersei that uh, that he's died. Cersei, you know, is trying to seize lands, gold, castles. Pycelle begins to object, telling her again that he had a ward there, and we should hesitate on that. We should think about that. Who is this ward, etc.? With like not really mentioned, and then in, in a dance with dragons, the Rosby inheritance is brought up during the small council meeting, so it's brought up again. In the Red Keep's throne room, according to Pycelle, six claims have been put forward, but the council. Uh, led by Kevin Lannister, decided to settle the issue at a later date. That's all we know. That's it. Yeah. Maybe Varys keeps him because he knows. Well, the if all these if all this warring comes down, he it, I could have the last remaining Lannister. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Did he? Did Varys set up the the riots? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's something um, that Lady Emma was kind of saying is that it, you know, yeah. it's if Littlefinger's involved, he's not even there at the time. So did he? I don't think so. I think it's more Varys. Yeah, and and, and why would Varys 
want I mean Varys, we you know, he's killing Kevin Lannister at the at the end of this, letting Tyrion out and and so he's definitely invested in what's going on with the with the Lannisters. We see him yeah. have more interactions there. So I don't know. I like it. I really could. It, it's I did too. A, it's great, great Raven. Great Raven. Yeah. He's yeah. a character. I love these small characters. Sometimes you just forget about it and you're like, oh, yeah, he does kind of leave in this mysterious way. And then right. he's mentioned once or twice. And you, when you're when you're thinking so top heavy in theories, right, like John yeah. and Danny and Stannis, you forget right. about guys like Tyrick Lannister. And At, yeah. And it's like, why? Why does he keep bringing him up? Why is it brought up over multiple books? And it's a really good point. And then the other thing is, this is why it takes so long for him to finish things like this. Where do you wait? Where, what is that small, subtle thread that is, he's carrying through that he's going to, you know, is this is this one more? Is this one more little nugget to uh, to keep in there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, hey, thanks for the Raven. We appreciate it, guys. Um, remember, we're going to be doing a Zo- Patreon Zoom hangout for the Bannerman and above uh, next Friday. So stay tuned for that. We have some more YouTube content coming. We did uh, record a few Patreon episodes uh, and stay tuned for that, guys. So as always, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones uh, in our next chapter we will be in our next episode we will be in chapter 53 john 7 of a clash of kings nice all right yeah if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review leave that comment uh send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com we will see you in a week and remember that winter is coming